Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. And I just want you to know this morning that the motive for my um, doing this, the motive for speaking this word to you is, is because I want to see the very best for you. You know, the, the thing is, is, is that oftentimes we can become frustrated and we can become, you know, looking at, it's kind of like, it's kind of like raising children. Has anybody ever raised a child here? Raise, raise your hand if you've got children. Hey man, just about all of us in this place. And you know, sometimes when you raise children, they don't always go the way you want them to go. Have you noticed that? Um, and, and sometimes, what, you know, when they're younger, it's one thing because you have a whole lot more control in their life. But one of the things that I've learned as my children have moved into adulthood is that there are times when my children are extremely frustrating. And I know you go, oh, well, man, they're here. Why are you talking about it? Well, I think they understand this. And I am certain that they feel the same about me. And the, the reason is, is because we look into each other's lives and we see potential and we see ability and possibility that is go- completely untapped, completely being, um, they're unaware of it. They're, they're, it's, it's not that they're, willfully neglecting. It's just that they're unaware. And so sometimes when I, you know, this church is such an awesome church. Yeah. Uh, and and there's, a, there's many reasons for this church being awesome, but one of them is, is this church has lasted the test of time. It, this church has gone through some things that would have taken other churches out, but we're here. And one of the things that we see is the hand of God is on this church. Now, I know I'm biased, and, and, and I know that there's a great churches in Kingman, and there really are. Kingman's really blessed that way. There's a lot of great churches in Kingman. But I can only speak for this one, and I could tell you that the hand of God is on this church. And sometimes what happens is I think that uh, as a pastor, sometimes we can get a little, I can get a little frustrated. And you say, why is that? It's because I see so much in you. I see so much potential in you. You guys are awesome. You guys could shake the world for Jesus. Let me say this. You guys are shaking the world for Jesus. And this congregation, we have such a footprint in the world, around the world. And, you know, there's so much more. There's so much more that God has for us and wants for us. And so I feel like at times it's my job to reach in and, and pull that out and say, look, we can, we can do more. We can, and when I say do, I, don't, don't get caught up in the performance thing. I'm talking about that we can accomplish so much more if we would just make this change or if we would just look at this thing or that. And so in the midst of this sermon and this sermon series, that has been my motivation because there's something about chasing God that will change everything. There's something about the pursuit of our heavenly father that really does rock us. And so I, I, that's what I have really sought to, to captivate. 
And so today in this sermon, there are some very specific things I want to say, and there's some very specific scriptures I'm using, obviously, but I don't want you just to gloss over them. I, I really want to challenge you to think about them, to really go, okay, God, what are you saying to me in my life today? Amen. It's not about yesterday or tomorrow. It's about right now. It's about, God, what is this being said to me? So with that thought in mind, I want to read as our text a very familiar portion of scripture, but I want you to listen to this. I want you to really kind of ponder with me, if you, if you will. It's found in Jeremiah 29, and it will be on the screen this morning, Jeremiah 11 through 13. It says this, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that God's thinking about us? I mean, aren't you, you know, it's, it's you know, I think in human nature, it's, it's something that we all, if, you know, we think about famous people, if, if somebody famous was thinking about us or had us on their mind, we would feel privileged. Well, let me tell you, the creator of heaven and earth, the universe, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, he's thinking about you. Can you say amen? And his thoughts of you are good to give you a future and a hope. And he goes on, he goes, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. What a, what a concept, he's listening. Do you know you have the Lord's ear? He's listening. When you pray, he's listening. In fact, 1 John chapter 5 tells us we have this confidence. It says this, we know if he hears us, then he will answer us. Isn't that great confidence? That's great hope. And, 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 and God is always listening. And he goes on and it says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. What a powerful passage of scripture. We've all heard this before. We've, we've thought about this. But where this scripture really comes alive is when you have just a little bit of the context in which it was written. You've got to understand this. When you hear the context in which this scripture was written, it really gains some momentum. See, this was written in a time when Israel had been taken captive by Babylon. They had been, these people, the Israelites, they had been made slaves, and no doubt their life for them, the life that they are now living has become very difficult. And for many of them, I am sure that life seemed impossible because everything got turned upside down. Here they are living in freedom. They're living as they choose, but because of circumstances and situations, they find themselves taken into captivity. They're ripped from their homes. They're brought into a, uh, a pagan uh, society. They're brought into a place where God is not worshiped. There is nothing about God in it. And now they're serving people. They are serving against their will people who do not love God, who care nothing for God, and yet in the midst of their crisis, God comes to them with a word, and it's a word of encouragement. He comes to them with instruction. He comes to them with a plan, a strategy, a strategy to overcome, to be victorious in the midst 
of it all. And now what you need to understand is that God's word came to them. It's probably not what they wanted to hear. Amen. Because probably what they wanted is they wanted God to show up and say, hey guys, we're doing a jailbreak. We're getting out of here. But how many know this morning (coughs) that God doesn't always show up the way we want him to? That sometimes his plans are different than our plans. See, we like a bailout. We like the idea of get out of jail free cards, so to speak, don't we? We like that. When we get into trouble, we want, you know, just the trouble to go away. We just, it's like, hey, let's, let's, hey, let's just say I was teasing and I'm good. I'll never do it again, I promise. And, yeah. and, you know, we want that get out of jail free card. But God doesn't show up that way. He shows up a little bit different. He comes to them and he gives them this helpless people. The first thing he does is tells them and reassures them. He says, you guys are on my mind. He says, I know the thoughts that I think about you and towards you. In other words, I want you to know in the midst of this crisis, in the midst of this captivity, I'm thinking about you and I am aware of what's going on in your life. And then he tells them, I want you to call upon me. I want you to pray because I'm listening and I want you to seek me because when you seek me, you're gonna find me. Now, I know they wanted a way out, but God says, hey, listen, guys, you're gonna probably be here for a while. This probably ain't gonna work out the way you wanted, but it is going to work out better. He says, I'm gonna do something that's gonna blow your mind, and nothing this morning could be more appropriate for this situation. They're deep in crisis because of their doing. Remember, they had, they had gone off and they had worshiped other gods. They put something in front of God. They had, they had kind of left their walk with God and now they find themselves as a result of that living in confusion, in torment, in difficulty and it filled their day and at the right moment, God comes through with hope. Isn't that the goodness of God? Doesn't he do that? When we find ourselves in crisis, we find ourselves in difficulty, God comes in right at the right moment and he says, there is hope for you. Now, not just hope, but he comes in with a plan to change everything. Now, the thing that wasn't gonna change was their location, but what was going to change was something deep with inside them which would serve them for the rest of their lives. And so it is with us. Oftentimes, we find ourselves in days that are filled with the chaos of life. And we wonder to ourselves in those moments, I know I do, I'm certain that you do. We wonder in those moments of chaos, is my heavenly father even aware of what I'm going through? Does he even know what's going on? And the answer is an absolute yes. He knows, he knows. And what we need to do this morning is we need to let this word that came to a people that lived a long time ago, we need to let this word be a fresh word to you and I. Can you say amen? Now, I know that there are those who say, well, that was a prophecy for them, and it was really about that time. And you know what the truth is? It was. But I declare to you this morning that this is our Father's heart towards us. Are you hearing me? This is the Father's heart towards you and I. And the secret, 
this morning. I need you to catch this. The secret to this whole prophecy, to this whole thing, is this phrase that's found at the end of this passage, and that's this. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with your whole heart. Let me tell you something. That, in my mind, is the key to everything. See, it's a funny thing about pastors and, and people, theologians, and people that write books, spiritual books. We're always doing preaching a sermon or writing a book or something about the five keys to marriage or the four keys to faith or the seven keys to victory or the 14 keys to evangelism. And after a while, you got to have a key ring that's probably about three feet around to carry all the keys. How many know what I'm talking about? It's, we got a key for that and a key for this and a key for that. Several years ago, that was kind of what was happening here at the church. In a physical sense, we, you know, if you walk around our church, you'll know that we got a lot of doors here. And what had happened is we started doing this thing where, you know, every door had a key. You know, every room had a different key. And it was like, I don't know how many keys we had, but we had a bunch. And somebody came along, a person that was a locksmith came along and said, hey, you know, I can help you out. What I could do is I can take all your doors and I can make it, I can turn it into where you have a, you could still have individual keys, but I can give you a master key. And you know what, church, that's what I'm looking for today is I'm looking for the master key. How many know what I'm talking about? And I believe this morning that this phrase, if you will seek me, uh, you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I believe that's the master key key to everything. I believe it changes everything. Now, let me say this to you this morning. That's great. <clears throat> Yeehaw, good. We got the master key. <laughs> you know, and that's the problem with preaching. This is the problem that I see with preaching. As we want to talk all about the keys, we are really good at identifying. And now what we've done is we've boiled all the keys down to one and we got a master key. That's great. But exactly what door does it go into and how do we use that key? That's the issue today. Because, see, the thing that we need more than anything else is we need to know how to do this thing called seeking God with all of our heart. We need to know how to do it every day. We need to know how to do it at Safeway. We need to know how to do it at the gas station. We need to know how to do it at school and at work and on our job or, or wherever we find ourselves. We're, even if we find ourselves just alone in our house, how do we seek the Lord with all of our house? How do we make this, this key, a part of our daily life? That's the question, and I'm glad you asked it. <laughs> because that's what I'm going to spend my time showing you this morning. Well, number one, the first thing that you need to know, I'm gonna begin with this, and I want you to, <clears throat> I do not, I want you to all, don't, you don't have to raise your hand. I was gonna make you raise your hand and swear, but you don't have to do that. I don't want you to shut me off. I'm gonna make a statement, but I want you to listen, because this is really good. This was a revelation to me. Seeking the Lord begins with repentance. And I want you to listen to me, okay? Are you with me? Well, first of all, you need to understand that when we talk about seeking the Lord, we're talking about seeking his presence, aren't we? See, his presence in the common translation is really a Hebrew word that means face. 
So when we say we're seeking him, we're seeking his face. You know, there's a lot of people that will pray and they say, you know, I'm just praying that the hand of God in my life, and that's a great prayer because the hand of God always represents the power of God. But there's something better than the hand of God, it's the face of God. See, when you get the hand of God, you got his power, but when you get his face and his countenance turned towards you, you've got all of God. Can you say amen? And so the Bible instructs us and encourages us to seek his face, to, to come into his presence. Well, the logical question or the logical statement would be, aren't we always in his presence? <clears throat> well, the answer is yes and no. I know that's it's like, okay, here we go. Here we go. Well, it's yes in a couple, couple senses. So I want you to think about this. In the first sense, God is all present. He's everywhere, isn't he? he there, there's not a place on the planet that God is not. And he is therefore always near everything and every one. Can you say amen? And secondly, his presence is always with his children in the sense of his covenant commitment to you and I. He's always standing by us. He works for us and he is turning everything in our life to his glory, our benefit. Is that correct? Yeah. But there is a sense in which God's presence is not always with us. And that's why the Bible repeatedly calls us to seek the Lord, to continually seek his presence. <clears throat> because what we're talking about when we talk about this we're talking about God's manifest, conscious, supernatural presence in our life. And that's not always our experience. See, there are seasons in our own lives where we become either neglectful or we become unaware or we become uh, detached or disconnected and we don't give him thought. It's not that we're mad or, or unbelieving or, or anything. It's just the fact that there are times that we get caught up in the moment. We get caught up in the crisis of the day, the difficulty of the moment. And rather than putting our trust in him, leaning not to our own understanding and acknowledge him in all our ways, we got a better idea. We're like Mr. Ford that way. How many know what I'm talking about? And what happens is in the midst of that, we tend to disconnect from him. And so what we find in those moments, rather than a manifestation, we find unmanifestation. So in other words, he becomes buried. He, he becomes in the background. He, he comes into a second place in his face. His presence then is hidden behind the curtain of our daily life. It's hidden sometimes behind uh, the desires of our flesh or it's hidden behind the habits of our life, his presence. And, and, and listen, that reality is ready to take over at any time. Can you say amen? That is why we are told <clears throat> to continually seek him. Now, there's an interesting verse of scripture in Isaiah, verse 55, verses 6 and 7, that speak to this. And listen to what it says. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon 
Now, the very first principle this morning in seeking God with all of our heart is to repent. I want you to listen to this. This is what this verse is telling us. See, repentance by definition is literally changing our mind and changing our heart. I want you to understand this. See, the word repentance comes from a Greek word that is a compound word. It has two Greek words that are put together, meta, noyo. When you put those together, meta meaning after and noyo mean knowledge. So after knowledge, this is the literal translation of the Greek word that has been transliterated into the word repentance because the idea of this word is after we learn something, it changes how we think, believe, and act. Are you catching that? So in one, I'm heading this way, but I discover that the bridge is out and because of that knowledge, I turn, after that knowledge, I turn and go another way. That's repentance. Or I'm heading this way headlong into sin, but because I learn something, I have a, I have a, a, a thing happening, this metanoia, this after knowledge. I turn and I head a different direction. That's, that is repentance. That's what changing the mind and changing the heart. And when we see a verse like this in Isaiah... We see this kind of harsh language that's there. You know, he uses the word wicked and evil and, and unrighteous. Now, no doubt that these are real things and there are many people that are headlong into this, but you must also realize this morning that anything that takes the place of God in our lives is viewed as wicked, evil, unrighteous. See, in comparison to God, even the good things of this life are tainted. Are you hearing me? And oftentimes, very good people that genuinely love God can get caught up into a place where the manifest presence of God is not with them because they have simply bought into the good life. And somehow, in the midst of it, God has gotten put back in the line. See, the moment we promote something, even if it's good, we can say things like family, marriage. We could say things like ministry. All of those are good, wholesome, and God's for them. But if you put any of those in front of God, you have just created an idol out of those things. And they become then, not in themselves, but they become, because of their positioning, they become wicked and unrighteous. In many ways, what this is talking about, and also what we're talking about when we talk about seeking God, is we're talking about perspective and priority. The question is, what are you paying attention to? What are you paying attention to? What are we making important in our lives? If our Heavenly Father is overshadowed by anything in this life, then that overshadowing, no matter if it's good or bad, becomes the doorway for unrighteousness. Are you hearing me? Yeah. 
This is why he tells us diligently, seek me with all of your heart. And that's why it begins with repentance. Because look at we are heading, when we diligently seek God, there is this process where we identify the direction that we're going is not going to be satisfied. It's not going to do what God can do. I have this knowledge, and therefore, when I turn from one thing, I turn to another So I turn away from what will rob me of God and I turn to what will give me him. Can you say him? That's why it has to begin there. I have to begin to take note and inventory of what are the priorities and what is the perspective of my life. Can you say amen? See, repentance is to turn away from one thing and to turn towards another. It is to make one thing, to, to make one thing the priority and put another thing and all else in its proper place. That's repentance. Here's the simple statement. We can boil it down to one statement. What you pay attention to, you create a passion for. Right. Amen. Amen. If you pay attention to negative, you will create a passion for it. You will literally create a hunger for the negative. Have you ever met anybody that way? You've ever met that everything comes out of their mouth is negative? There's always a complaint. The glass is never half full. It's always half empty. There's always something wrong. There's always a problem. What that is, is that is a lifestyle that has paid attention to negative. That's why he tells us thanksgiving is so important because being thankful is paying attention to what's positive. Amen. And it changes how we think. It changes the priority. It changes the perspective. See, this idea of repentance is not only the beginning of seeking the Lord, it is in fact a protection. Because as long as I seek the Lord, I'm not seeking anything else. Are you hearing me? Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse 14, speaks to this. He goes, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Listen to this. This is So you could take this sermon, you could take that verse, and you could go, oh, that's just hardcore. That's just, just. no, no, no. If my people, you're, you're called by his name. You are a child of God. You are one of his. You're called by his name. If you will humble yourself. In other words, if you will come into a place that you put yourself in second place and allow God to be first, and you pray and seek him and turn from that which is you pulling you away from him, You will hear from heaven. He will forgive your sin. In other words, he will cover your flaw and he will heal your land. He will do what is necessary in your life. Listen, here it is. The presence of God always responds to repentance. Are you hearing me? The presence responds to repentance. When people are repenting, God's interested. That's how we begin. Seeking God is the conscious 
fixing or focusing of our mind's attention and our heart's affection on God in all things. There's a deliberateness. There is a decision. That's why repentance, see, repentance doesn't happen. It's a, it's a law. It's a law of thermodynamics. It, it, it's inertia. If, unless it, if, it, something will keep going in one direction until something acts upon it. It will travel forever in one direction until there's something deliberate to change its way. And somewhere along the line that, that we have to make a decision, there has to be this idea and that metanoia, that, that repentance that comes because we've changed direction. Listen to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. If then you were raised with Christ, were you raised with Christ? Amen. Seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. Such a powerful thought. It begins with repentance. It, it begins with a change of mind, a change of heart. It's saying, look at, you know what? I've sought a lot of things in my life and some of them haven't been bad. They've been good things, but they've gotten themselves out of priority. I've put too much perspective. I've, I've paid too much attention and not enough on him. Are you hearing me? Amen. This setting of the mind is the opposite of mental coasting. Too many of us are just mentally coasting. You say, what, what, what do you mean by that? I, I mean, what, what we do is we just kind of go through, we're just going through the motions. We just kind of, no, no, we need to be deliberate. Amen. It's a conscious choice to direct the, our heart toward God. It's perspective and priority. It's a conscious effort to get through the things of this life to God himself. It's to seek him, to constantly set our minds toward God in all of our experiences. In your repentance, in your turning, you are realigning perspective. You are realigning priority. And it's in that place that you will find his presence. Are you hearing me? There's another thing that we need to do, and I almost... This almost goes without saying, it has a very short spot in my notes because it kind of is one of those duh moments, you know? You know, it's like, duh, it's like, <laughs> I get it. But listen, I'll say it anyway, just, just to make the point. Seeking the Lord is achieved through prayer. See, through the act of prayer, we enter into the dynamic of seeking. See, no message, no no statements can be made about seeking God. No one can believe that they are actively seeking him if they don't pray. See, prayer is the vehicle, if I can use that word, the vehicle of relationship. Relationship with God, there is an expectation that it be deepened. Can you say amen? And it's through prayer that we communicate with him. And see, prayer is much more, it's so much more than just simply asking for things. Oftentimes, what we've done in Christianity is, and it's easy to do, and I understand why I've been caught up in this, is it's easy to reduce our prayer life down to a list of things that we need. 
It's also easy, if you go beyond that, to reduce prayer down to just dealing with business. God wants fellowship. God, you know, it's, it's the thing that you need to understand about God is God wants to know what you think. And you say, well, he already knows what I think. I know, he wants you to tell him what you think. You know, if you see something beautiful, you see a flower, you see a sunset, you see something, you go, you know what, God, that is so rich, so wonderful. Thank you for that, Lord. There's something in that. There, it's, it's, it's this communing with God. It's, it's talking with him. Ask him, what do you think of me, God? How do you see me? Let him speak to you. Talk to him. Tell him what you think of him. Go and, and, and worship and, and say, you know what, God, I love you and I praise you. It's so much more than just getting a list done. In Jeremiah 33, 3, he says this, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. I love this because I'm the type of person, I love secrets. <laughs> I love getting to know what the secret is. If, 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 if you want to torment me, do this. Walk up to me and go, hey, I got to tell you something on Monday. You will kill me, man. It just, it's like, no, 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 no. We're going to do it right now. No, no, you ain't doing that. No, no, we'll do it Monday. I, I'll tell you on Monday. And I, oh, it just drives me. I want to know now. I, you know, I'm always sucked into, you know, Discovery Channel, you know, <laughs> Discovery Channels, they always get me with, you know, years ago they got me with, uh, you know, uh, Geraldo Rivera, you know, was going to open uh, Capone's safe. Do you remember, how many remember that? Man, I was in. I was like, yeah, we're going to see what Capone has, you know, you know, you know, iron knuckles and, you know, bats and maybe pitch. I don't know what he was going to have in there. Money, maybe there was going to be a lot of money. Well, they got to the thing and they got it all open and it was nothing. It was like, oh, you know, they get me with Loch Ness. I, there is no Loch Ness monster. It's not real. There is not one. But every time the Loch Ness monster show comes on, I'm in. And it's always the same. Ah, we didn't find nothing. Yeah, it just blows me away. But I'm, I'm, I'm in because I want to know. I, you know, I've researched the lake called Ness. It's the Loch Ness, Scottish for Lake Ness. Anyway, I, I've researched it. It's deep. It's like 950 feet deep. And, you know, uh, we, Kathy and I on our 25th wedding anniversary went up to Lake Tahoe. And I don't know if you know this, but Lake Tahoe is like 1,400 feet deep at its deepest point. It's really a deep lake, and they say there's. They say back in the the twenties, thirties, and forties that the, the the mafia used to throw d bodies in there, and they would weight them down, and, and they're down about you know fourteen hundred feet deep because they got you know the bricks on their feet and oh, yeah. and all of that, and they say they're perfectly preserved because you, nothing rots down there. It's so cold, you know. And so I'm thinking, man, it'd be so cool to go in there with a submarine, you know, go down there. I want to see. I want to know. And here's this verse, God comes along and says, come to me, call to me. And he says, I'll take you on a journey that will blow your mind. I will show you things that you can't even imagine. And you know what, you know for me, you know what it's gonna be? For me, God's gonna take me into outer space. And he's gonna take, he's gonna show me Star Trek stuff. And you're gonna go, well that ain't a trip to me, that's boring. Well, he's gonna take you on your trip. I don't know what your trip is. Your trip ain't gonna be my trip. And he's gonna show me really cool things and he'll show you really cool things. What is that? I don't know. But ask him, and he'll show you. Can you say amen? Seeking the Lord is energized by his word. 
Years ago, I learned this as a young man. As a young man, if you want to know God, know his word. You cannot separate God and his word. If you want to know him, you got to know his word. You cannot know him without knowing his word. John chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. You cannot separate God and his word. And any effort to chase after the heart of God must include a passion for his word. Listen to this, listen to this verse. Psalm 119, nine through 11 says, how can a young man or an old man or woman or whoever cleanse his ways by taking a heed according to your word. With my whole heart, I've sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments or your word. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Here, right in the middle of all this conversation about the importance of his word, he says, I'm seeking you. He's seeking through the word. He's looking for God in his Word. You say, well, what do I do with the word? You confess the word. Speak the word. Meditate on the word. Believe the word. How many know God said what he meant and meant what he said? Believe his word. Study his word. And most importantly, live his word. Can you say amen this morning? His word is paramount. We begin this process with repentance, changing our mind. We move into a prayer life that includes fellowship and relationship. Then we move into this place of his word that becomes literally food for our soul. And it teaches us, instructs us of his ways and who he is. And then finally, seeking the Lord is finalized by worship. And I'm going to bring this to a close with this thought. Psalm 100, verse one through five, listen to this beautiful psalm. He says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. It is my belief this morning that we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise and we enter his presence with worship. You say, how do you get that? Look at, he he says this, he says, come before his presence with singing. I want you to think about this. If, If a husband sings to his wife, there's intimacy involved. If a wife sings to her husband, intimacy. I think of a mother that is holding and cuddling her child, her baby, singing. There's intimacy. There's a scripture in Zephaniah that says that he comes to us singing over us. It involves intimacy. So in this picture, this picture that God has painted, we first see this. It says, make a joyful shout to the Lord. There, There is this celebration. There is this place of celebration. It's both happy and loud. It is a celebration. He says, all of y'all, all y'all do this. Be happy and loud. Serve the Lord with gladness. And then he tells us, enter his gates with thanksgiving. 
You go, you go from, look at, what is a gate? It's a door. It's, we've talked about this before. It's a transition place. It's a place where you go from one, in, one atmosphere into another. If you went through that door, you'd go from this atmosphere to outside. So we go through the gates. We change atmospheres with Thanksgiving. Are you, are you catching that? We change atmospheres with Thanksgiving. Then we move into his court. His court, this is where business is done. This is where leadership, it's the court of heaven. And that's filled with praise. But we move into the holy of holies, into that place of intimacy with worship. We sing in his presence. And you know what? He, we ain't the only ones singing. He sings too. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Seeking the Lord begins with repentance. It's realized through prayer. It's energized through the word and it's finalized by worship. But as I close, I want you to listen to one last verse of scripture. David is speaking. He's addressing Israel. And in this chapter in, in 1 Chronicles 28, he's addressing a group of people. There's a whole group of people here. But then he speaks to his son, and he says this in verse 9. He says, as for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands the intent of the thoughts. Now listen to this. He says, if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. You know, to be honest with you, when I read that, it did move me. But I kind of wrestled over whether I was going to put that verse in my sermon. Because towards the end, at the, the last part of this verse, it gets a little bit tough. It gets a little bit and so I debated back and forth. I put it in, raised it, put it in, erased it. It's like, I don't want to tell people about forsaking and all of that. And I wrestled back and forth because this is, this is such a wonderful thing. But I felt God say to me, put it in and quit apologizing for what I said. He says, if you seek me, you'll find me. But if you forsake me, you'll be cast off forever. Now, I know things have changed from the Old Testament to the New. But here's what I know. This is what I know for a fact. I know it's still true. If we seek him, we'll find him. I believe that in the New Testament, in this new covenant, we're in a better covenant. I believe because of grace and mercy that there's a lot more patience. But I do know this. When we get caught up in that place where other things take priority or whatever. We just find ourselves where God's just not at the forefront or because we get tired or we, we, whatever, whatever the excuse is, that God's not first and foremost. There is a separation. This life is not neutral. I've learned that a long time ago. You're either going forward or you're going backward. There's no neutral. Either you're being filled up or you're being drained. It's true. And if you've lived any Christianity in length of time, you'll know that's true. And that's why it's so important 
that we consistently seek him. It protects us, it satisfies us, it draws us closer, it builds us. It, it's the key to everything, it's the master key. But what happens when we stop seeking him, whether, whether it's out of spite or whether it's out of just happenstance, we just drift. What happens is there's a disconnect. It's not that God moves. It's not that he's up in heaven with his arms folded and his brow furrowed and looking at the angels going, that's it, I've had enough of them. That's not the picture in heaven. The picture is more of the picture of the prodigal. It's more that the father stays put. Does he want his son to leave? No, but he'll let him. And unfortunately, the son had to go all the way to the bottom of the pig pen eating the pig food before he realized that he could come home. Before he realized that there was something at home worth having. And we know the good news of that story is when he did come home that he was welcomed in a way that he never thought was possible. And that's a whole nother sermon. But the point is today is that don't, don't forsake him. Don't put him off. Seek him. Seek him. Look for him. Search for him. He's not hidden. You'll find him. Sometimes it's just getting through the minutia of our life so that we can see him. Can you say amen? Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you so much for your truth. We thank you for the revelation that you've given us, God. We thank you that you are helping us. And we do pray, Lord, that you would give us a hunger, God, that as we begin to make a commitment to, to seek you, to search you out, that we would quickly find you, Lord, that there would be evidence of, of our connection with you. God, we're careful, God, careful, careful to give you the praise for it. We know that all that you do is for your glory and our benefit, and we pray today that as we go from this place, God, that your presence would go with us, Lord, that we would sense and feel you in our daily life, God, more than just simply believing it, we'll experience it, God. And Father, we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can stand to your feet across this place. If our prayer team would come, we want you to come. If you have a need of any kind, need ministry, need a prayer, come on up, let them pray for you, let them minister to you. For the rest of you, we'll let you go. Next week, we'll see you. God bless you. You guys have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.